Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. I'm Chris McBrien, and this is Pop Goes Your World, a pop culture podcast for the generations. And speaking of generations, we also have a millennial on board. That's Yancey Eaton joining us. Yancey, how's everything going tonight? Uh, things are going fantastic, Chris. I'm a little excited to do our, our maiden voyage for Pop Goes Your World. Uh, I know we've been looking forward to this for a while. This has been in the works for a few months, and to actually be recording it now is a... Uh it's kind of dope, like it, I said. Yeah, dope. it is. Just like off the top of the show. It's dope, you know? Uh, I'm in. I'm from Gen X, so it's just awesome, I guess. We'll just say that. Uh, so so let's just start off right away. So as you know, this is going to be a, a show about pop culture. So let's get right into things. Uh, I think the, the, the question that I want to ask, Yancey, from a millennial, what, what makes your pop culture, from like the, from your generation, what makes it so good? You know, you obviously love it. So why? Well, what's so good about uh, about millennial pop culture? Fill us in, please. I think it's I think the biggest distinction between millennial generations versus Gen Xers like yourself is that we're the do it yourself generation, right? Everybody who has a smartphone or a Mac or Garage Band or, you know, a, a digital camera can be a creator in pop culture. Anybody who has a blog, you know, anybody who has social media, everybody has access to to create, basically, it's it's a lot more democratic in this sense. And whereas, you know, in your generation, there were already there were always uh, key holders to every form of pop culture, right? It was always put through a filter, and there were people up at the top. It was very corporate, and they got to decide what you know was assimilated to the public. Whereas with my generation, there's just such a dearth of content out there. You'll never run out of stuff to listen to, and you can always find that super, super niche of really specific stuff that you're looking for. It's the biggest difference between mine and yours. Well, I have a question for you. Why is it that when I speak to a lot of millennials and I mention stuff you know, from my generation, I talk about like movies, TV shows that I love, and stuff, that kind of stuff, and a lot of millennials look at me like I've got two heads, and they're like, what? I've never heard of that before. And so my question to you is, why is that why like okay so let me put things in perspective so i i love stuff from the 70s and 80s that's what i grew up with right but so i didn't i wasn't around when i love lucy was on in the 50s i, I wasn't around for it but the thing mm-hmm. is i know what it is i i know, I know the show i know who the actors are in it you know I, so, I'm, so i'm familiar with it and i just i'm curious when i mentioned something like wkrp in cincinnati or something like you know fonzie or something and millennials go what's that i don't know what that is how can you not know what it is it's it's easy <laughs> Back I, I, whenever, if it's easy, I want to hear the answer. This is great. It, 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 I think it is easy, and it makes a lot of sense when you, when you really dig into it, okay? Back whenever you were growing up and watching TV, you guys had just a handful of TV stations, right? There were very, very few things that you could watch. There were not nearly as many album releases. In order for a band to actually put out their music, you had to go through a record label. There had to be somebody else up at the top, and you know, like I said, in a corporate setting, that had to decide to sign you and to record your music and there was a huge barrier to entry um you know even with with tv shows and stuff like that if it didn't fit a huge audience it wasn't getting made so there were very very little as as far as, far as regular programming and stuff goes nowadays there is such an overwhelming amount of content that you know for something to really take off like game of thrones has or the walking dead or something it has to be you know, just as far reaching as you can possibly imagine. But with you guys, you didn't have a choice. If you didn't like MASH, you know, there's only one or two other things you can watch in primetime television. There's just so much more. I mean, 
you know, for you to know what your parents watch, that's because they all watch the same five TV shows, like ad nauseum. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So, so what you're saying is there's just so much content nowadays that you just you have trouble keeping up with it all. So you don't look back and you don't know stuff from before because you're just too busy, you know, consuming all this content that's out there now. Is that what I'm understanding? I think that's fair, but I mean, you have to take into account too. I mean, I'm sure there were things that your family did, your mom and dad and your grandparents did, things that were super culturally relevant, maybe not necessarily television, but you know, there were activities and hobbies and places that they would go that no longer exist now. Like your your great grandfather probably spent, you know, a huge amount of his time at a billiards hall. You know, how many times can you say that you've you've done that? You've spent an entire evening, you know, at a at a pool hall. You know what I mean? Just things culturally changed so much that I don't even think you realize how much has changed and how much we've left in the past as to now. Well, here's the thing for me. So here's where our generations are really, really different. Is that, Okay, so just to pull back the curtain a little bit, Yancey and I, if, if anybody that's out there listening doesn't know, Yancey and I used to do a po- another podcast together. We used to do a fantasy baseball podcast called Dear Mr. Fantasy. And we, on that show, me and some of the other guests and stuff would always be dropping these kind of like these quotes and stuff from movies, mainly from Major League, the movie from the 80s, you know, with um, with the Charlie Sheen. So we would drop quotes from that movie. And it was kind of funny because Yancey had no idea what we were talking about. Like, did you? Like, we were always putting stuff over on you with these. But here's the thing. Uh, for like for decades, those kind of references were what kind of held Gen X together. Okay, because it's like a little secret handshake that we have with each other because we know all these quotes from movies. Like if I quote the Goonies, I would drop a a quote from that movie. Another Gen Xer would be like, it'd be like a wink between us, you know, like a secret wink. Like, Mm -hmm. we okay, well, we both get it. We know what that is, whereas you wouldn't get that. And here's the thing is is back like right now, your generation, just like you said at the top, you have all the answers in your hand, in your phone. You can Google anything and you can immediately be the smartest guy in the room because, you know, what I mean, like you can look up anything you want. Back right. when I was growing up, you couldn't do that. So the only way to kind of really get to know these movies and TV shows is just watching them over and over again. You know, you'd wear out a VHS tape, watching it over and over again. And so you'd watch The Goonies 20 times, you know what I mean? No problem. And you get to know the movies so well. And and I think that that's stopped. Like, that's not, that doesn't really happen so much anymore. Like I say, you know, there's no need to have, like, instant recall on all this kind of stuff. You know, like, like a lot of times people say to me, like when we, especially once we get going in this podcast, you know, I'm sure you'll become to know, like some of the knowledge, the minutia, the trivial knowledge that I have about pop culture is from my generation. It's just crazy. And people always say, how do you know all this stuff? And mm-hmm. your generation is, you you don't need to know all that stuff because you can just look it up. Well, I'm, I, it depends. There, there are specific outliers with, with everything, right? You're talking about, you know, little pop cultural you know, uh, inside jokes and stuff like that, the little hint, hint, wink, winks that you guys can drop on each other from things from the 70s and the 80s and stuff. And, you know, that, that may be true too, but do you do you stop to think how many times I may have dropped something that was culturally relevant that you and our former co-hosts were just completely oblivious to? There's just so much that flies over my head and so much that goes in one of your ears and out the other that, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, it, it feels from a 
the generational gap that we're talking about. It just feels like everybody wants to think that their generation is the best and that the one that's coming up is just going, not necessarily going to ruin the world or ruin America or whatever, but there's always that feeling. My dad, my dad says stuff like this about, you know, Facebook and social media and technology and our phones and everything. And, and lo and behold, he gets a Facebook and then, you know, all of a sudden he's on Facebook all the time and it's, it's totally cool. And his grandparents probably thought that the music that he listened to, you know, he was listening to Sticks and, and, you know, Led Zeppelin or whatever. And maybe his, his parents thought that that was just, you know, satanic devil worship music. You're always going to see this progression, you know, a society only moves one way, which is forward. You're always going to have those people who were, they're going to be nostalgic and they're going to look back on their time growing up and they're going to give it much more impetus than anything else new that's going to come out. That's, I think that's going to be the same 200 years from now. It's always going to be like this. Let me, let me read you a quote. Okay. Here's a quote. Children today now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, and they show disrespect for elders and love chatter in place of exercise. And you know who said that quote? Socrates. <laughs> I'm being serious. Yep. So it, it, yep. you're right. You know, it changes and like it, it, it never changes. You know, history is cyclical. It just repeats itself. So we always think it's, uh, you know, that. So I have a quick question before we go on with anything else then. From a millennial point of view, can you please explain something to me? What is Pokemon Go? <laughs> Like seriously, I, I, I've seen okay. it all over social media. So what the heck is Pokemon Go? Please, please explain. I'm it to gonna me. I'm gonna be completely transparent with you. Okay, this morning my wife and I spent probably three hours at our local park catching Pokemon. <laughs> what po- <laughs> what Pokemon is? Okay, you, you you have to let me let me paint a picture. Children today guys. love luxury. <laughs> yeah, all children. Um, Pokemon Go is a game you play on your smartphone. You can play it on your iPhone or your Android phone. Okay. And basically what it is, is it's augmented reality where you, through the use of, you know, GPS and your your phone's camera, you go around and you can actually hold up your phone and you can seek out and and catch Pokemon, which are like little monsters. They, they have different types like grass and fire and electric Pokemon and stuff. And you go around all these different places and real life places actually are Pokemon gyms and, and places where you can you can collect different items and stuff and, and you can meet up with other people and you can battle. And it sounds very, very childish. And when I was a child, this literally ruled my life all the way through elementary school and middle school. And it was something like, I literally remember like, leaning you know against my bed and just saying prayers at night for god to just make this real and for this to come out now me as a 27 year old it's just it's electric you know i mean it it really is just insanely insanely fun it's the first generation that came out as far as this game goes it's very wonky there's all kinds of technical problems with the servers and people not being able to log on i think right now they're not taking on any more sign uh signups for the next couple of days just because they're just so inundated with an entire generation of people who grew up with this and it's not just kids like i said it's it's 20 somethings like myself who are just completely obsessed with this game my best friend chris he is in the air force in montana and as soon as he gets off of duty watching missiles, all he is doing is walking around catching Pokemon. It's I'm telling you, it's this is one of those things you're going to be hearing about it a lot. And I'm sure I'll definitely bring it up on the show in the future. But uh, it's it's not going anywhere. It is it is very, very culturally relevant. It's, it's going to be here for a while. I'd almost say it's kind of a waste of time you know, to do that. No offense. But I mean, like pop culture in general, that is what it is. It's a waste of time. So it's can, I, good. You know, it's can, I, can I counter that really quick? Before of course. We yeah. Move? yeah. I. Okay, so I'm guilty of one thing, and we all have a little bit of a hypocritic streak in us. All of us do, right? For sure. And 
I was thinking today as I was walking through the park, and there were, I'm, I'm telling you, Chris, there were literally hundreds of people at this park catching Pokemon, just like <laughs> I was, right? Hundreds of people. This is not an exaggeration. I don't live in a large town. I live in like a medium-sized town in Florida, but it was, it was huge. It was absolutely lit inside this park. And there were older people that walked by, and one of those guys basically yelled at me like, look at these dorks playing Pokemon, right? Of course, you know, he, he mispronounces it, and he calls yeah. us dorks and everything like that. And, and I'm like, you know what, that guy, you know, he doesn't, he, you know, he's, he's mocking something that he doesn't understand. And he's, he's belittling people who like something. We mock, then I was thinking, we mock what yeah. we don't understand. What by we the way, do not understand. That, that's a quote. That's a quote from an 80s movie. So, I'd hope so. Yeah, Ghostbusters. But, but you know what though, Chris? How many times have I, have I like scoffed at people who like professional wrestling? I know you like yeah. wrestling, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I I liked wrestling from the eighties. I don't like wrestling now. But you did, right? Yeah, yeah. I and did there are, yeah. there's a huge subset of the population who looks at that and they think, how could somebody like something that is so corny, so over the top, so scripted? That's a waste of time, right? But everybody has their own thing. My whole thing is this. When it comes to pop culture, I have a very libertarian streak. If it doesn't hurt anybody, if it doesn't affect anybody else in any way, if it's just a positive way to spend time, if it feels good, do it. That's my take on it. I like that take. I think that's a pretty pretty good take, and it's a pretty good attitude to have. So I have a question for you then. Are, would you say as a millennial, are, are, and you obviously have watched some, you know, lots of movies and stuff from, from the 70s and 80s and TV shows and stuff like that. So are movies better today than they were like 30 years ago or not? Um, I, ha- I, ha- I, I have, like I have my opinion question. on this. So, and it's a loaded question. I know I have my opinion on this, but I'm curious, like, like you, you, the movies that you're watching that you're growing up with, you know, are they better than movies from my generation? When you watch movies from my generation, what I hear a lot of millennials say is they'll watch a movie, um, you know, from the 80s and they'll be like, oh man, it's so cheesy. Like the special effects are bad. Oh, the acting's bad. There's no action to it. You know, like it's just, it's so badly right. made. Like, and I'm just, so I'm curious, is that your take? Are movies better now than they used to be? I, obviously from a, from a visual standpoint, you know, from a CGI standpoint, an action standpoint, yeah, of course, obviously it is, but that's not what makes good movies. I've watched movies that were some of the most aesthetically astounding, visually captivating movies you'll ever see. You know, Avatar is visually just stunning. I've never done LSD before, but I imagine it. everything must look like that when you do LSD, when you watch Avatar in 3D, right? It's just incredible. Everyone's long but, and blue and tall and all, yeah, all this stuff going on. Right, but if you but if you really break down the movie, it's it's just a Pocahontas ripoff. You yep. know, a bunch of white people go to a new world and they they basically resources. just yep. exploit the resources. Yep. It's it's a tired story, right? So everything now you're you're finding that everything is kind of a remix of things that have been done in the past. Even movies and, and books and stuff that you were reading and watching in the sixties and seventies and eighties, those are are adaptations of of Shakespeare that was you know written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I think right now, I, I in order for something to be as kind of uh, culturally just you know relevant now, it's more of a. I'm trying to think how I'm, I'm trying to go with this. There's just so many. There's just so many ways you can make a movie. There's so many different like specific. 
Help me out, Chris. What am I trying to say? I'm, I'm, there's, I'm not there's only so to... there's only so many plots. There's only so many stories you can tell. It's the same story being told over and over, just with different characters and, and different right. you know, settings. Is basically what you're saying. And I agree. I think... If I think if you look at something like Star Wars: The Force Awakens, which is a good movie, I, I like it very much. Um, I'm a right. fan. I'm obviously a fan of the original, you know, trilogy. The prequels don't even get me started on those. Can't stand them. We'll do that on another show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Star Wars: The Force Awakens. The thing, that, and and I'm, this, I'm not, you know, saying anything new. This has been said, you know, you know, hundreds of times. The the story is the exact same as the, the original film. Like the, to, the, a right, to a T, right. everything happens. The, there, there's plans inside of a little droid that's got a round head, and uh, you know, there's a there's a, a single person on on a desert planet that's kind of a loner and trying to find a way, and then gets involved with this kind of thing, and you know, and all this goes on, and there, you know, there's there's the bad guy that with a mask that talks funny and stormtroopers, and it, the, really the story is a whole is the identical story, you know, just being told again, um, and I think that's. That's the thing that gets me is that I find, and you make a good point because if you take a look at any, let's just, I'm just going to reach in here. I'm just going to grab. I'm going to grab a year. I'm going to say 2004. Okay, just for the hell of it, I'm going to say 2004. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to list some movies that are just remakes from 2004 alone. Dawn of the Dead, The Lady Killers, The Manchurian Candidate, The Stepford Wives, Alfie. Um, what else we got? Walking Tall, Flight of the Phoenix. Uh, what else do we got in there? Salem's Lot was done that year. The Goodbye Girl is another example. Um, the Dirty Dancing one. That's a that's a that's a not really a remake. So um, that's a sequel. But you know what I mean? Like you get an idea. Like it, I remember that year too. There was like the Honeymooners that made made a movie about that. Like it's just. It's just rehashing old stuff. And to me, that's what kind of gets me about movies now is that there's so much of just remaking and now they call them reimagining, you know, or right. like, you know, like, give me a break. It's not a, like, like, for example, there was a movie from the 80s that, um, that was called About Last Night. And it was like this little romantic comedy. It was really, really good. It was based on um, a play, uh, Sexual Perversity in Chicago. And it was with Rob Lowe and Demi Moore. If you've never seen it, go watch it. It's an amazing movie. Demi Moore is just an incredible actress. She just owns that movie. But anyway, they remade the movie a couple years ago. But it was with an all-black cast, and it takes place in Los Angeles instead of Chicago. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, well, well, wait a minute. That's not the same movie then. The whole point of that movie is that it based in Chicago like you know what I mean like so mm-hmm. so this whole idea of of just redoing movies over and over and over so for me the biggest difference of movies today than 30 years ago is the lack of creativity the lack of originality and the, the lack of new ideas so I, I do agree with you there I think I think what I was so poorly articulating before what I was trying to articulate <laughs> was that there's just obviously there are more movies that are put out and whenever you have big blockbusters when you look at all of these movies they're they're almost like franchises they're commodities they're not standalone pieces of art in themselves they're not trying to say something they're not trying to push an issue you know socially they're literally just watch me you know like these comic book movies i'm not trying to knock on people who like comic book movies there are some very very good ones but 90 percent of them are absolute junk and why are they junk because they don't have to be good they don't have to have you know really really developed characters they don't have you know, very witty, uh, you know, plots and, and, and anything like that. None of that stuff is important. What is important is that there is a name on it. There's, you know, a Spider-Man or there's a Captain America and people will go and they will just throw their money at it blindly. And now movies, instead of being true art forms, you know, like animation and, and cartoons originate in America. They say along with jazz, it's the only two original American art forms, but they've taken what used to be genuine art and they've literally commoditized it to such a sense that, they're not concerned about making good movies. They're concerned about bottom lines, you know, 
propping up publicly traded companies that are, you know, huge industrial behemoths. And that's that's the difference between the glory days of movies and, you know, between the 20s to the 60s, that 40-year gap were the best movies that have ever been made. You didn't have the crutch of of, you know, CGI and and just throwing in all these special effects to make a movie that's visually captivating and lacks any substance at all. You you had to stand the laurels of the the plot and the storyline being enough by itself. So I think there are good movies still being made now, Chris, but it's I agree. I agree. The there volume, are, the yeah. percentage wise, it's it's not it's not even close. I'll I will watch twenty okay movies or just complete trash movies before I see one that I really hold on to. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying and the thing is it's not easy enough to just kind of paint it with one brush and say well well, the problem with now is it's all about money. Well, no, because Hollywood was always about money. If you don't think Hollywood was about money in the 30s and 40s and 50s and even into the 60s with the studio systems and the way they owned actors, it was all about money. You know, it certainly was. So so you're right though, It's but it, it's more of just trying to put so much on screen at one time and do it in such a lavish way because people will line up, you know, and, and go see it, you know, and this, the other thing too, sorry, just as an aside, this idea of a blockbuster just drives me crazy. Uh, your generation calls movies blockbusters that aren't blockbusters. Like, like, you know, oh, this is a blockbuster. This is a blo-. No, it isn't. Like, it's like what, just any movie that makes some decent money is not a, necessarily a blockbuster. A blockbuster, a true blockbuster is something like Jaws. In 1975, mm-hmm. because people literally lined up around the block to see that movie. When Star Wars came out in 77, people lined up around the block to see the movie. It, like That was a blockbuster. I don't know. Now it's like, define, well, if it makes $100 million, it's a blockbuster. Not necessarily. Right. I mean, movie prices have gone up so much. Now with everything's 3D, it costs even more money to go see the movies. That's why the movies make so much money. But anyway, so just quick question for you then for your generation. Um, what would you say, if you had to define pop culture in your generation, what, what song would you say is the quintessential song of the millennial generation? I'm not necessarily looking for the song that is like the most popular song from your generation, but I think one, there's gotta be one that defines it. That somehow that people from your generation look to and go, that's the song that defines my generation. It's what my generation's all about. You know, um, like to put things in perspective, I think some people would argue with Gen Xers that it would be Smells Like Teen Spirit. You know, something like that, Nirvana. I would take it back a little bit further. I think it's from the 80s. For me, the song that defines the Gen X is is Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. Like, I think that's the the song that just defines my generation that I relate to the most and I think a lot of others do. But what's, what's, what's yours for millennials? I think if you, if you look around that time period, so I was born in 1988 and <laughs> Most of the music in the '90s, uh, the earlier '90s, is 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 okay. You kind of get into the grunge scene and stuff like that. There's a lot of just really lasting songs that have a lot of staying power. Um, most of the 2000s, uh, it, it was a weird time for music because you had so much of like the the really high end, like top 40 pop music, just absolutely dominating the radio waves. Like this is this is before we really had Pandora and, and internet streaming and stuff like that. So you were exposed. Everybody was exposed to like the same handful of just just really really like glossy teen pop junk, right? But through through those ashes, you've seen the descendants of or ascendants rather of one of the greatest bands to ever grace the earth, and that's Radiohead. I know on, a, on our past podcast, Chris, we talked about Radiohead just a little bit, but they're the, to me, they're like the quintessential band for millennials. They come up, and their first album, Pablo Honey, was this you know very acoustic-y, um, kind of like folk almost 
album and they completely did a 180 and they completely changed their sound they went to like this more as as technology became more and more dominant in like our culture they became more electronic and synthesizer ish and like playing along with like you know sentient beings and artificial intelligence and that reflected in their music right so there was this fear like this panic like this this tense internal turmoil that you see with like y2k and just you know xenophobia altogether just people afraid of technology and afraid of science and uh, Radiohead, whenever they put out Kid A in 2000, that album, uh, the, the title track, they didn't actually release any singles for that track, but everything in its right place, I think is just, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, Chris, have you listened to it? No. No. Sorry. Okay, you need to go back and listen to I it, will. but everything in its right place um, it is hauntingly beautiful. It, it There's crazy, crazy chords. It's very electronic, you know, voice distortion and everything like that. And basically, um, what it what it's trying to symbolizes is like a newborn baby he talks about um you know being wake waking up you know with like a a a crazy face like he's sucking on a lemon is what he talks about right and it it, basically what it's talking about is like this innocence that you're born with of this you know as soon as you're you're conceived as like a sentient being you are quickly exposed to society you're quickly exposed to technology and almost instantaneously you're completely robbed of your innocence and so the whole album actually draws on this same theme and since then every subsequent album that they pushed out has just built upon this where it's it's our relationship with machines it's our relationship with technology and social media and it's just this it's, it's this crazy where it's we're detached from it, but it's also a part of us and how we reject it and embrace it at the same time. That song is like the perfect song for a millennial generation. So look it up. It's called Everything in Its Right Place by Radiohead. It's from the album Kid A, one of the greatest albums of like the last 25 years. Very, very cool. Well, you know what? Okay, so building on that a little bit then, what would you say is the movie that defines your generation? <laughs> movie Movies are much tougher. Um if I had to think of something that kind of broke mold a little bit, that kind of challenged your thoughts and just going back to the whole technology phase with, with the advent of the internet just being explosively popular in the late 90s and then going into the 2000s, um, The Matrix actually yeah, came out in 1999. And everybody talks about this as like just just pure science fiction, but it, it brought up all of these questions, all this internal angst that people genuinely, you know, harbor inside them about a fear of technology, a fear of of artificial intelligence, a fear of, you know, basically, you know, big brother constantly watching you type thing. And that that is a theme that obviously is it's extremely relevant now because lo and behold, our uh, our good friends at the uh, National Security Administration, you know, are, are bringing those those fears to life with, you know, mass surveillance and stuff like that. But the, the Matrix is the one movie where every time I watch it, I, I kind of get something different out of it. I I pull a new emotion from it, like this this new sense of fear. Like, what if I really did wake up and, you know, everything is a uh, it, it's not what it seems or my idea of of privacy or. Um, even, even just being unique, even just being special is completely challenged constantly. That's There's so many different themes. It's not just this, you know, shoot 'em up, bang, bang, sci-fi movie. It's 
it's it's pretty deep in that sense. What I, about you, Chris? I, I, um, that's what? A, I think that's really really so. It's going to be interesting because mine is com- the polar opposite. It's interesting that you mentioned the Matrix, and I think you're totally right. I think that's a good one. The thing is, so your the movie that defines your generation, the Matrix, is was was also known for for its special effects, right? Like like the the way that they did the cameras and with the bullets slowly flying and moving all around, and then right. this unbelievable amount of like hand to hand combat and all that kind of stuff. And it's just an amazing movie from a technological point of view and visually and, and, and all that my the, my film the, the movie that defines my generation could have basically been a theater play it's basically one set and it's five characters talking in one set for an hour and a half and that's the breakfast club I think that defines my generation. The, the again, you talk about angst. You know, the angst seems to be with every generation. The angst of, of being a, a teenager, growing up, not quite fitting in, not fitting in with your, the former generation because there's a lot of head to head banging with the the. Um, he's not the principal in it, but uh, you know, the sort of the teacher that's in charge of uh, detention that day. Um, so there's 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 that those two generations going the generation within themselves trying to find out who are they. Even the um, you know the, the the song that's quoted at the beginning changes you know and these children that you spit on and all that and then of course funny enough it the, the song that they play at the end of the movie that is so associated with the movie is the song that is also defines my generation because it's simple minds don't you forget about me so i think it's the breakfast club for sure no two ways about it mm-hmm. so no good conversation all around um okay so you know what i think every week we're going to take a, a few minutes and we're going to play a little game that we like to call fun with yancey those of us that, or those people out there that have you know have listened to Yancey and I on our other podcast when we used to do the baseball podcast, we'd sometimes have like to have fun with Yancey too, and we're going to do it here. So Yancey, here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to I'm going to ask you some questions about Gen X, and I'm going to see if you know. I'm going to make it really easy for you, okay? Real easy, okay. easy questions, and just want to see how much you know, just to have some fun with you, okay? We just like to play with you. So you've you've obviously no doubt heard of Mark Wahlberg, right? You're the actor and director, right? So, I'm aware. Yes. So yes, he used to sing in a rap rap group, you know, and they they were known as Marky Mark and the what? The Funky Bunch. Very good. <laughs> okay. I'm impressed. Yes. Let me let me just say this. Let me just give a little caveat real quick. Sure. About two months ago, I did not know this. Okay. Uh, my boss at work, his name is Mark, and I would always call him Marky Mark, just as a you know whatever. I don't want to say affectionate nickname, but just as a nickname because he's my boss. Right. And uh, then he started saying, "Yeah, endearment." You know, that's it. <laughs> right. Exactly. A term of endearment. There and uh, and he would always say, "Yeah, and here's my funky bunch." And I never knew what he meant. And then, <laughs> literally, was, up until two, that was two one of those ago. one of those Gen X winks that we were talking about earlier. One of those handshakes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Just went right over my head. Right. And uh, I was like, you know, what? What is the Funky Bunch? What is that from? And then everybody around me was like, Oh my God, you don't know who Marky Mark is? I'm like, No. And then we got onto this whole diatribe about how, you know, Marky Mark. You know, he used to model underwear, and then he was like a like a pseudo rapper, singer, entertainer. And, you know, it was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. But so I do know it now, but literally two months ago, I had absolutely no idea whatsoever. Well, well, speaking of rappers, I got one for you. This There, there was a rapper uh, in the late 80s that actually he was he thought that he could unseat the king of pop. Uh, Michael Jackson, of course. Uh, so his songs included You Can't Touch This and Too Legit to Quit. Who was it? Come on, Chris. Really? It's MC Hammer. All right. So this is so you know, so maybe I make it a little bit harder. Okay, I'm gonna make it harder on you. In 1992, 72 year old Jack Palance, he won the Oscar uh, Best Supporting Actor uh, for City Slickers. Okay, so he got up on stage during the Oscars to accept his award, but he what did he do? For City Slickers? Yeah, City Slickers. You know, you know, you know that movie, right? 
Is that the one with Billy Crystal? Yeah, Billy Crystal. Well, the the, the Jack Palance, seventy-two-year-old Jack Palance, who played Curly in the movie, won mm-hmm. the the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. When he got on stage to accept his award, what did he do? It's like a a, a big moment in my generation. Did he have a heart attack or something? No, no, no. He dropped down. <laughs> he dropped down and did one-handed push-ups on the stage. Really? Yeah, he did. Okay, here's one. You okay. know, the you know the, you know Happy Days, right? You know we've talked about Happy Days before. You know it's one of the most popular TV shows of all time. You know probably. Um, so the mo- the iconic character in the show, and maybe the iconic character from all the '70s was Fonzie, right? You know, in in the show Happy Days, what was Fonzie's first name? Oh, I don't know, <laughs> Chris. I don't know. Oh, see, I've got to make it a little bit harder. It's Arthur Fonzarelli. Arthur. Uh, I, I knew the Fonzarelli, but I, I did not know that his name was Arthur. I know you have like this weird, almost cultish obsession with the Fonz for some reason. You you mention him a lot. I like the I like Fonzie. Okay, so here's <laughs> one for you. I got a movie. This movie was so iconic that it spawned like a whole bunch of like mockumentaries. Uh, it was directed mm-hmm. by Rob Reiner, and it's probably best known for there's a scene with some electric guitar amplifiers that don't go up to ten; they go up to all the way up to eleven. What name name the movie? Say that again. It's it's an it's a movie. It's a mockumentary directed by Rob Reiner, and the, I, the popular one of the most popular scenes in it is there's there's electric guitar amplifiers, and the and the the, the, the guitar player says these don't go to ten; these go to eleven. What movie is it? Is this it? is Spinal Tap. That's it. Yes, of course. Very. Is good. it? And all right, I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm going to do one last one because I mentioned the Breakfast Club. I'm going to name four actors. And you tell me which one was not in The Breakfast Club, okay? Anthony Michael Hall, Molly Ringwald, Andrew McCarthy, Emilio Estevez. Which one was not in The Breakfast Club? Isn't Emilio Estevez Charlie Sheen? No, it's Charlie Sheen's brother. It's his brother. Oh. What was the third one? What was the third guy? Andrew McCarthy. I'm going to go with that one, but it's purely a guess. Uh, Good guess, because you're right. (laughs) <laughs> congratulations very very well done Yay. all right anyway like that's about it i'm just going to wrap things up uh, very very quickly that's a little bit uh talk about our the generation gap that goes on between us funny enough you mentioned cgi in film so next week if you don't mind let's let's spend the time talking about cgi in movies because when i was growing up there was no cgi in movies and movies were fantastic there were some of the best action films of all time coming out of the 80s that's for sure i'm going to mention them next week so next week we're going to talk about cgi um anything else to go on the way out then yancy that you want to share with us uh not a whole lot if you guys want to um i don't know why you would but you can follow me on twitter at yancy eaton that's y-a-n-c-y-e-a-t-o-n and chris you're also on twitter as well aren't you i certainly am at c mcbrien and mcbrien is i-e-n i want to say thank you very much for joining us for the initial show our maiden voyage of pop goes your world like i say next week make sure you join us again we're going to talk about cgi in films is it better with it is it better without it how good is it? Has it cha- How much has it changed movies? Are better movies better without it, with it? All that kind of stuff. We'll get into all that next week. Until then, this is Chris McBride saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. We'll see you again next week.